Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 59 of Death Readers. Uh, this is wow, the... I'm, I'm blown away by that. Have we been doing this in quarantine for like nine weeks? Because I feel like episode 50 was like one of the first ones we did in quarantine. That feels right. It's It was like we went from through March, yeah. the end of March, to yeah. April, May, June, July. That's about four months. That's like... Shit. That's like... 10 to 16 episodes, depending on things. I, I sincerely did not, when we started doing this remotely, did not think we would be doing it this long. Mm-hmm. And we have no foreseeable end to doing it this way. No. Um, We're set up. This, if you, this is your first time listening, this is the podcast where we're reading through the Harry Potter book series. It's my first time reading through them. Rob has read them many times. And his uh, his job here is to help me understand what I'm reading and, and, and help contextualize things I might have missed or... Get totally right. This is the first episode in season seven, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. So if you've listened to us this long, thank you very much. Keep it up. (laughs) We got a big old book to get through. Oh, it's a lot. And then it'll be over. But we also just finished last week. We took a week off and we recorded our our movie commentary for Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Prince, yep. So if if you want to hear that and listen to that, uh, and I guarantee you it's deeply insightful, uh, join over our Patreon where it is not actually available yet, but that's not the point. <laughs> I mean, do we have to put them up in order? Because that one's ready to go. I can put it up. I guess you don't have to put them up in order. Yeah, but like, right? So yeah, go ahead and check it out. There's <laughs> definitely commentaries up there, at least one. Um, <laughs> there's there's at least two. There might be three. I can't honestly remember. There's, a, there's definitely some there's a lot there. of join other. There's a lot of extra stuff on there. You should definitely join our Patreon, yeah. get into it. Bonus episodes, riffs on various things, movies, what we're thinking about things. So much good stuff. So much good stuff. Uh, do you have any housekeeping? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh, shit. I, I have to say the only reason I was that quick is because I had already thought about pitching you that softball. And like I was like when you did it, I was like, I know what to say. I know what to say. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, no housekeeping at all. None, none whatsoever. We did um, not spend an hour on housekeeping. It wasn't an hour on housekeeping at all. Um. Nope. So in this episode, we are going to be dealing. Um, chapter one mm. of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, episode fifty nine of Death Readers. Thank you for being here. Chapter one. Sorry. Um, I'll do it over. No, 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 no. It's okay. It, it, my, my actual reason for the stumble will be explained in a moment, but but go ahead and do it over. We're going to leave all this in. Okay. Re- I don't know. From one. That brings us to chapter one. The Dark Lord Ascending. What's your first note? Negative three. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. I know what that means. Hold on. Yes, I didn't read you do. That. I didn't read that. Hold what? On. Let, me, let me read. I didn't read that. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, I didn't read these things. Um, I'll read, I'm will read. i going to read them aloud. Yeah, please. So they can be part of this. You're going to have to say some of these names for me, because I don't know these people. Oh, the... To- oh. <laughs> oh! The torment bred in the race. The grinding scream of death. And the stroke that hits the vein. Is that how you're going to read this? Because we can stop this podcast st- right now. <laughs> the hemorrhage none can staunch. The grief. The curse no man can bear. But there is a curse in the house, a cure in the house, and not outside it. No, not from others, but from them. You're literally killing me right now. 
their bloody strife. We sing to you, dark gods beneath the earth. Now here, you blissful, powerful, you blissful powers underground, answer the call, send help. Bless the children, give them triumph now. Woohoo! From Aeschylus. Maybe Aeschylus. Aeschylus, the libation bearers. All right, I'm going to read the other one now. Okay. <laughs> Listen, there's all these there's all these uh, commas. So what? I'm that's not supposed to, to pause at a comma? No, well, not like you're not not like you're pausing at the end of the line. Listen, I I learned how to read poems from the great William Shatner. So, <laughs> if you don't like it, take it up with Captain Kirk. Death is but crossing the world as friends do the sea. They live in one another still. Oh, I can redo that. I can do that better. I've never read this. This is cold reading. Sure, sure. Death is but crossing the world, as friends do the sea. They live in one another still. Yeah, they do. For they must needs be present, that love and live in that which is omnip- omnipresent. You got it. My reading. <laughs> in this divine glass, they see face to face, and their converse is free. Free shoes. As, as well as pure. This is the comfort of friends. This is the comfort of friends. That though they may be said to die, yet their friendship and society are, in the best sense, ever present. Because immortal? (laughs) No, no, no. See, you got the reading all wrong. Because immortal! Because immortal! Uh, William Penn, more fruits of solitude. Yup. Like pears. Like pears. What is your note about those things that I read so well? Uh, poetry. Look who's opening her books like her hero Stephen King. Oh. With verse. Um, I think I might come back to this later, but it just seems like she's got a taste for adult writing and she's trying to up her game. Does she? Is she just feeling a, a, a breaking with the series because it's the final book? Why now? I don't think... I looked at six because I have it on hand. I don't think there's verse anywhere else uh, opening books. Do you you think that if Stephen King saw these, he would delete the poems from the beginning of his books? I don't because Stephen King is awesome. (laughs) He's a king. I don't know, man. I don't know why why they're there like that in the last book. Maybe it's like she... I, I don't know if it's like she got a taste of being an adult writer or if it's like she's having... I think at this point she had this like... This chapter of her life, if you will, came to a close with these books. So, like, when are you going to get sentimental? When are you going to find Jesus? Mm -hmm. It's in a foxhole or a deathbed, right? So, like, I think she's, I think that's where she's at is that these are her moments of like saying goodbye to Harry Potter as she thought she was (laughs) at the time. Um, before they were, before Warner Brothers was like, how about, uh, went to another movie series? It's easier than a book, right? Um, you don't have to put as much work in, I promise. You just come and hang out on set, get drunk and yell at people. Um, I don't know if she done that, did that. I have no idea. I, I, I would guess that considering the content of those bits of those two pieces, like protect the children and death, everything has to everything has to end. Endings, and right. en- endings. I think that poem about endings and death and like friends are still friends across the sea from each other is like. I think it's an idea of like. I think she's probably saying something about who she was when she started these books okay and who she is now like that's that's the c is that she's she's her friend on the beginning of writing these books 
And at the end of writing them, she's the other friend who's already crossed the sea. And they're still... And, and like, all the readers have this same relationship with these books where you all you start as one person and when you end a series like this, the, and a series that has impacted so many people in so many different ways, you're, you have changed. You, a, a part of you has died and grown and evolved. So you have to just accept that these books are over now because now the, the post-Harry Potter part of your life will, will go on. Which is absolutely, I think, correct. But it's interesting because that's also a meta take on themes that are actually in this book as well. Right. So, um, yeah, you're, I'm, I'm sure that's probably it, but it was just interesting. It was just a, this is new. This is, I, I don't think it's in four or five, certainly not in three. I, I, I definitely can foresee the concept of protecting children and death isn't always, death doesn't have to be the entire end. Right. People still live on in our memories, ideas as being a big part of this, this book. Mm-hmm. We'll see when we get there. Yeah. Is that, you, is that all that, you had for negative three? For negative three, yes. My next note is number two or page two. Go for it. All right. This is okay. This is this is back to the same thing. Um, there seems to be a richness to the prose that was lacking before. And like then back, she's made a lot of money already. No. <laughs> you. Um, let me see if I can just find it here. The drawing room was full of silent people sitting at a long and ornate table. The room's usual furniture had been pushed carelessly up against the walls. Illumination came from a roaring fire beneath a handsome marble mantelpiece surmounted by a gilded mirror. I mean, I guess she's just describing opulence, but it just... uh, It's a bit juicy. It was a little juicy. A little juicy. It's funny because my note originally before I got all the way through that paragraph was... Why was the furniture pushed carelessly up against the walls if they had magic? They could have just magicked it up against the walls. Ugh. But then I'm like, hey, there's a lot of big words so here. Many. Surmounted? Ooh. But yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm just full of shit. I don't know. It I don't know, man. Maybe. Is this what people mean by when they say the books age with the readers? Mayhap. Is she uses a little bit bigger vocabulary? Maybe. Mayhap. What I know about what you said about the why why are they pushed up haphazardly against the walls? Dude, I was having a conversation with somebody recently about the Harry Potter slaves. And they were like, no, it's just like, it's like a, you know, this is, this is how they were bred. This is how the house elves are bred. They want to do this. It would be cruel to not let them be slaves. And I was literally like, an argument from the books. Fucking, do you fucking hear yourself? Like, <laughs> like, do you hear what you're saying? And what like, anything is that? Okay. Yeah. Like, like, I, I, I don't, the only comparison is like, that's kind of how I think I've said this before on the show is that that's kind of how we treat pets. Yeah. But like. The only time that argument makes sense is in some Star Trek Prime Directive bullshit. Right. But also, like, here's my problem. If if the main... Here's the the what I'll call the Albus Paradox. Okay. I'm going to regret saying that because it's not as fully formed as I want it to be. It better if be fucking you, great because it's the episode title as of right now. If you cannot allow muggles to know that... Wizards exist, magic exists, and all the great things magic can do for wizards and does do for wizards. If you can't tell muggles about that for fear that they'll want to have that be how they live, which I think is the um, the argument from the earlier books, yeah. is like, th- oh, they'll they'll everyone will want be wanted magic solutions to their problems. That's it. That's the line. If that's the case, if the wizards are blessed with the magic solutions to their problems. And then they can do all these different things, like, essentially effortlessly and take care of all these issues with magic. Why do they still need slaves? What is the work that the slaves do that the wizards couldn't accomplish with their magic? It's sometimes 
okay, sometimes you're comfortable in bed and your wand's just like on the nightstand. <laughs> and getting it, I mean, it's over there. But you've got laundry to be folded, so. I wouldn't let a house elf touch my laundry. They're liable to walk around going, I'm emancipated. If, as long as you don't hand it to them, I think. So you okay. can't even say, here, do my laundry? Paradox. Yeah, okay. It's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> None of it makes sense. It's stupid. I'm tired of hearing about how it's great world building. It's shitty world building. It's... <laughs> It's like an if this if this world building was a garden, it'd be overgrown with plants that were trying to kill each other. <laughs> okay. Because I I mean, there's some good ideas in here. There's things I think the thing that most people get is that I think that uh, a lot of people who do these who read these books and have memories about reading these books do it with like a compartmentalization. They like forget the parts that suck. Mm-hmm. And they only care about the parts that they liked, and they only remember those parts, and they live in the memory of those parts, and forget about the slavery. Even when, like people I've read on on like Reddit and stuff, people being like, "Yeah, but spew right, like that takes care of it." And it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Hermione fuck starts. All. Yeah, Hermione starts a thing by herself, works almost tirelessly, to the point where like the elves are like, "We don't even want to talk to her or touch these weird hats because we know what she's trying to do." And then everybody else around her is just like, sorry, Hermione, our slaves don't want to not be slaves. What are we going to do? Up. Just yeah. force freedom on them like dicks? Yeah. Yeah. What are we going to do? Emancipate them and liberate them? I mean, and lose all of our slaves? Like that's, it feels like it, I know you don't like, or I don't know if, I don't know if you told me you don't like, you have even seen it, but like that's when you, <laughs> like in 1776, the musical, like at the end of the, at the end of the play or the musical, that's part of the song. I haven't seen it. That's part of the the final song is that like this uh, or this final, the third act is like this idea of like, they kind of talk about slavery. They talk about how they can't really start this country under the principle that all men are free. while so many of the people who are in this room own other men and like how the, the, the Southern, the South of the country is like, is like, no, we are not going to like, we will not sign this, this like declaration of independence. If, if, the independence of slaves is in it. We will walk away. We will we will fight you on behalf of of England. We'll stay. You you have no chance. You've no chance with you if you put if you don't exclude slavery from the independence. And like it feels like that. It feels like Hermione's like, "No guys, slavery is really bad." And they're like, "Shut up. We're not we're not having this conversation. I'll burn this school to the ground before <laughs> elves do anything but make my food." I need to stop talking about that because there's more to talk about, but like it's, it's well then let's go. Let's move on. Cause my next note is page six. (laughs) Get it. Get it. All right. Um, they're talking about how pious thickness in the ministry has been put under the, (laughs) God damn it. I was looking anywhere else and I glanced up into your smirk. Yes. His name is thickness. You say he's lame. His name. Okay. His strong, turgid name is Thickness. It's a thick boy. It's girthy. Anyway, um, Thickness. Thickness. So, Pius Thickness is in the ministry, and he's been put under the Imperious Curse. Yep. And they make a comment about how he, under the Imperious Curse, will put 
other members under the Imperius curse. And I just started thinking like in multiplicity, is that going to start going wonky? I don't think that that's how the Imperius curse is supposed to work. Like, no? isn't the Imperius curse basically like you have like one command, like at a time. Don't you have to be like invisible sight of someone and tell them to do something? And I don't do that think thing? so. Cause, cause remember Madame Rose Murda was slipping like the poison shit to the school. Oh, that's true. And but like, not, and not yeah. even thinking about, that she had done that or waiting in the woman's room. Like Draco had done it to her. It's that more is, like, it's more like she, she becomes a sleeper agent. It's too convenient. It's, it's bad man, writing. It's Manchuria. I think it was, I think you're right. I think, I think in book four, it was like a line of sight puppeteering, you know, Freddy Krueger yeah. kind yeah. of thing. And by book six, it became a Manchurian candidate situation. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Ugh. Um, so does a, does so, an imperious so, curse by an imperious cursed person become weaker or strange? Yes. Good. Good answer. That is the answer. That is the answer. I'm glad or, we or, dug or, this or, shit up. Or no. Oh shit. It just depends on how J.K. Rowling is feeling at the moment. Does she still have wiggle room to retcon it? Can she undermine her previous work and continue to do whatever the fuck she wants later? As long as all of those things are a- are on the table, as long as there's nothing she can't write herself out of, the answer is both yes and no. She's Schrodinger's author. Oh, no one can apparate inside the school grounds, headmaster. Well, there's certain perks in my position, Harry. <laughs> um, no one's allowed. No children are allowed to perform underage magic. Well, how do you know children are performing underage magic? We don't. Um, so please don't is, do it. We- yeah, please don't do it, because all we know is where the magic happens, and if we know that there are adult magic users in that area, then it's okay, because we'll just assume they're doing it, um, which, which uh, to be honest, uh, like, it makes even less goddamn sense, but um, <laughs> if you could just not think about it and let me get past this hurdle in that I've written myself, this corner I've written myself into, uh, I would really, really, really appreciate it, because it just... If the more I talk about it, the more stupid I sound, and I, and I don't even have Twitter yet, so I will sound <laughs> stupider in the future. Um. So I, I just I promise this isn't the stupidest shit I will write. Just give me time, and I will have stupider shit. Um. So that's like that's how I re- read this trite. Okay. <laughs> it's like it's like the answer is yes like yes of course he's going to be able to imperious curse anyone he wants whenever he wants and he'll do it with the deft and thoughtfulness of a perfect a machine perfect sleeper agent mm-hmm. even that line they have where Severus says something like well he would be convinced if he, if he was charmed wouldn't he and the guy's like mm-hmm. Trust him. It's like this is all such shit. Fuck everything. Nothing matters. There's no puzzles to uncover. There's nothing. It's all stupid. Sorry, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> well, that's my end of the note for that chapter. Really, I, you you ended before my notes started, and I've got notes. Okay. Um. <laughs> okay, page nine. Okay. <laughs> Bone of the Dark Lord, unknowingly desired. Is that written uh, in here? No, apparently Bellatrix wants that Vol D Mort. Oh, yes. Um, no, she absolutely does. Right that, in front of her husband, yeah. no less. Yeah. Which is like, its that own was, interesting dynamic. 
that was real uh cucky and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. uh and and intense and weird and then i just thought of that line from when he was brought back the bone of the father yeah i was like yep. ew ew um <laughs> and then he's all like and then he's like <laughs> and then later he's like <laughs> lucius let's compare wands <laughs> I want to show Bellatrix what she's missing. <laughs> Check out my wand. Look how much better. I'm going to take this man's wand. I'm going to emasculate him so hard as if he wasn't emasculated enough. Oh, does this get you going, Bellatrix? Oh, it's so creepy. It's so creepy. What an interesting ever, read. I had never. Did you ever read uh, or watch? Uh, the fuck is that movie called? Um, the Jennifer Conley. Um, Jared Leto movie? Oh, no. Okay. Requiem for a Dream. Requiem for a Dream. In that movie, there's a scene, like, where where Jennifer Conley's character goes. Like, how her fall from grace. Mm -hmm. I think I've heard about it. Is how I've read this scene. Okay. I read this scene like, it's like, this this book starts where Requiem for a Dream ends. And it's, it's just like, it's just Voldemort in this room, just just fucking everyone all at once. Just like <laughs> I I know exactly what I want from each of you, and I'm gonna take it from you, and I'm gonna humiliate you while I do it. And like you're lucky if you're Snape and mm-hmm. you're in that room and you just get away with just being there. But Peter Pettigrew, shamed. The Lestranges and the the Blacks and the Malfoys. Malfoy's. Yep. That whole family unit, completely ridiculed and shamed. Yaxley, um, that, I think. Yaxley, yeah. He he's he's basically shamed it for for being stupid enough to believe that some he could trust someone. Right. Um. The poor uh, charity barbo bar- barbage. Burbage. Charity burbage. burbage. Charity burbage. Uh, not so much shamed, but uh, you know, like she's another person. Voldemort has complete control over in yeah. this room. He's. It's, it's really, it's like, it's like they're all, he's an abuser. It's like, they're all like the, uh, unwilling subs to a dom that won't listen to the safe word. Right. And that's, it feels, it feels real bad. It feels real bad. It's, I mean, it's like, it's like in, in Requiem for a Dream, the scenes, I won't even go to the very end scene, but just the scene with, with Keith David and, uh, and Jennifer Conley is like, that's how this felt. Go watch that movie, all of our oh. listeners. Go, go watch Requiem for a Dream it's Keith and have David. A... I didn't. I don't think I realized that. Oh, Keith David is great. Oh my god! In that movie, it is it is insidious. Oh. He is so good. I think that's the right word. No, that's that's got <laughs> um, Patrick Wilson. Yeah, that well, you know, insidious. It was yeah, that's that's Patrick Wilson. I was also thinking of the Nelson Mandela movie. Um. Invictus? Invictus, right? <laughs> um, so Nelson Mandela and Jennifer Conley are in an apartment building. <laughs> Invictus for a dream. Um, so anyway, the... Invict, Invictus to ass. Oh God, I wasn't gonna go there. I've been trying so hard, and I haven't even seen the movie. I'm like, I've got to. I wasn't gonna go there. There was no. It had to be done. Had to be done. It had to be done. Anyway, the uh, yeah. So 
I would say that that's how this felt. It felt as violating as that sequence feels. Sure. And and so good job, JK, on making on writing something horrific and offensive and off putting to anyone who reads it. And again, not even on Twitter. <laughs> Um, anyway, so that's my first note, is that Bellatrix wants to bone the Dark Lord. Yes, she uh, does. Page 10. Page 10, wow. Um, so does everybody know that Remus Lupin is a werewolf? Like, it felt like in the in book three, that was a big reveal about, like, how a couple of people knew and how to help him take care of that. But now it seems like, and he was kept in a secret, secret for his whole life, and now everybody knows. You are forgetting the end of book three, where Snape lets it slip, and Remus packs up, because he knows by the by by breakfast there's going to be angry letters saying we don't want a werewolf teaching everyone knows by the end of book three so uh, snape outed him so snape would have outed outed him and out would have outed him to the dark lord too sure got it okay yep i did forget that that's why you're here man this is why you're here page 11 okay who the fuck is charity babajuj charity burbage she's the professor of muggle studies professor well when did she show up um, remember how Hermione said she was taking Muggle studies? Nope. Um, in her, her third year, it. back to the third year when she had a time turner. Ugh. And she took she Muggle studies. She is a fucking mudblood. Why does she need that class? That's exactly what Ron said, except he didn't use that horrible, really vile word. He, uh, he said, but you're a Muggle or you're from a Muggle family. Why would you do that? And she's like, because it'd be fascinating to study them from the other point of view. Sure. Did you even read these books? They are very long. <laughs> they're very big. Um, uh, yeah, I okay, good their, point. Their I remember thickness. That Ew. But yeah, so that's that's who she is. Well, I feel like we've never seen her. <laughs> we probably never have. I feel like it for this to have had the impact it is supposed to have had, it could have been a character we would have had any exposure to. I, I mean... What what is uh what's Poppy up to? Why can't she be dead? She's because she's a healer and she didn't resign. Remember the Charity Burbage we find out in the art one of the articles we read later resigned, although they never said why she resigned. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. I'm tired of these new characters popping up and in these moments that are supposed to be really impactful, and then it's like oh fucking I don't care. Oh, a character I've never heard of or don't give a shit about is dead. Whoa. I read that scene and I think, thank God Nagini's eating. Yeah. Because at least I've met Nagini before. <laughs> at least I know Nagini is is alive and, and needs to eat. I'm done with that chapter. Are you done with that chapter? I'm done with that chapter. That brings us to chapter two. In memoriam. What's your first page note? You know, I don't really have a lot of page notes. Okay. I don't really have any page notes. Okay. Do you want me I kind of have, uh, I kind of have a, a comment of a lot of setup. Yeah. Here's my note. Page okay. 14. Okay. Single sock that no longer fit. Uh, I think that must be a reference to the, the sock that he didn't give Dobby. Oh, shit, it the, is. You're absolutely sock, right. The sock I... that he had in, in book two that he that he was the, as I put it here, ever so cleverly, oh. is the, tw- the twin sock. Oh, shit. Fuck, twin, fuck it all. The twin sock of the, is of the pair. over. You broke it all the fucking open. <laughs> I'm, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed I didn't get A, and I'm embarrassed I didn't get B. Well, 
good. The uh, um. the 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 first of its reference. It's, it's, right. It's, it's one of those hidden references that I love. Mm-hmm. Missed it entirely. How uh, many times did you read these books? Shut the fuck up. Doesn't matter. All right. You should face. <laughs> Second, the lone sock that effectively gave its life or its existence, let's say, so that someone could be could live freely. Mm-hmm. And this is the sad reminder of it. Mm-hmm. It's it- it's 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 embarrassing. I am shamed. Look at all the depth that she puts into this writing. Where it's, oh, if you if you've paid nothing but the closest attention, yes, maybe I didn't know who Charity Babadook was. Maybe I didn't, but I noticed the sock. You sure did. Um, you sure did. I didn't like the description she had of how Harry just blindly shoved his hands into this trunk and like pulling it out. Like then suddenly he's in pain and he pulls it out and it's just bloody. (laughs) It made me feel like, wow, Harry Potter is really stupid. (laughs) He is very, very stupid. Who, who does that motion with anything in their life where you walk up to something that you can't see into and you just go blomp hand go in. Yeah. That, that, that's a thing. Nobody does. That's a, no one should do that. Hey, people who have no sense of like self-preservation do that. Both I and Timothy Dalton did that shit. Is that supposed to make it better? Timothy Dalton's a reference to Flash Gordon, where there's that scorpion thing living in the log, and they put their hand in there. Never seen it. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Um, point is, you shouldn't stick your hand in stuff blindly, and you're right. But like, even when he did that right away, I was like, oh, it, like before she says it, I was like, it must be that shard of the mirror that Sirius gave him. Uh, that he he like I think at one point he even says he just tossed it in there because it's yeah and it broke it, it they it broke because they mention it in the uh, it's uh, it like they mention it at the end of the book where it's mm-hmm. like Harry is like oh shit I'm an idiot I had this personal cell phone I could have just spoken to Sirius anytime I wanted to and now I can't because he's dead and it's like God Harry's so stupid Harry's yeah. so stupid pretty stupid but then again. In the earlier chapter in this book, in the first chapter, uh, Voldemort talks about how he doesn't, he blames himself for his failures, not, he doesn't think they're really Harry's successes, they think that they're his failures. Mm-hmm. And so that made me think, maybe Voldemort's also an unforgivable fuck-up, and maybe part of that personality has transferred over to Harry. And when the two unforgivable fuck-ups fight each other, somebody's gotta win. No matter how, like, unceremonious it is. And how full of mistakes and stupid errors it is. Someone has to win when two fuck-ups fight. Mm-hmm. And I guess Harry's just had the better luck. Or friendship and love. <laughs> Something you'll never have or understand. It's powerful old magic. Um, okay, next page. All right. Page 26. Oh boy. I can't wait to learn if the legendary duel between Dumbledore and Grindelwald was explosively exciting or a complete fabrication. <laughs> I'll have to watch Fantastic Beasts 3 to find out. Yeah. It's, um... You will, because it doesn't go into it a lot here. I like the idea that Rita Skeeter makes that suggestion that it could all be bullshit. Cause then now like knowing that there will be a fantastic beast three movie, it will be a thing I'll be looking for when I see that movie is to be like, 
did did their big fight happen or was mm. it total bullshit or was it like a fabrication like did, did Grindelwald actually like surrender instead of making a big fight right or did that already happen in one of the other movies like like I don't remember those movies that well and I don't remember like I don't believe they fought the each legend. other because because part two was was him saying I can't fight Grindelwald that's why I'm deputizing you ah right why can't he fight him so you remember the unforgivable curse? Mm-hmm. Or not? Not sorry. Which not the, no, no. Do you remember the unbreakable, the unbreakable vow? vow? Yeah. 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 They took a similar thing where it's like, "I heart you so much, I'll never fight you." But how could they heart each other? They seem so like, I. She is so bad at romance. Well, she is so bad at writing love. Okay, like, that was my characters... word. That was my word. They didn't say I heart, but I, I, st- I feel strongly connected with you. That I will not fight you. I'm exacerbated. I'm 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 so. You're gonna go blind. How... Well, I don't do it that often, but um, I I'm so flummoxed with uh, confusion about Further... why she writes these characters so stupidly. Furthermore, I don't even know if it had entered in her into her head that they had done their unkillable vow. Unfightable you mean promise. In this, in, in, in At this point in time, I don't know if she had come up with that idea. That will be talked about in Fantastic Beasts two. But that's what I'm talking about. Like in Fantastic Beasts two, why did she write that? Oh, to give <laughs> like, a reason okay. why Dumbledore couldn't fight him. But you have to, it has to come from a place, uh, arguably, right, of them being lovers or them being romantically linked somehow. Well, just some kind of love for each other. It doesn't have to be romantic. I personally think it was, but it, uh, she she's so cagey about it. That she's cagey about. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, whatever. Um, I don't. I'll. I'll guess. I'll. I'll have to see Fantastic Beasts. If anybody wants to send me a, a pirated theater recording of it, I'll be. I'll gladly watch it. Whenever it comes out, if it comes out. Yeah. Oh, it's coming out. Well, I just read something this weekend about how they were like it's absolutely like. On track? Happening. Yeah. I read something this weekend called, Is Fantastic Beasts the Most Problematic New Franchise? No, I read that it is the most problematic franchise, but not that it had anything to do with it. Not only did it not have anything to do with its uh, release, but, like, some of the problematic stuff in it was really old. Mm. Like, it was like, remember when Johnny Depp was in trouble because he had a... He, did, he and his wife didn't get along and they're both alcoholics? And it was like so scandalous for like four years ago yeah but that ezra miller <laughs> stuff's new yeah but it's also like unconfirmed that's true so or it's just like, is it it, it, felt, it felt like it was just drumming up controversy to sell an article like fuck that i don't want to read shit like that go get a real job at like entertainment weekly like shit Ugh. um so what you're saying is no matter what we're gonna have a fantastic beasts three I think I read a, a completely different article that said, like, Fantastic Beasts 3 will happen despite people basically clamoring against J.K. Rowling and talking about how they don't like Johnny Depp anymore and all this other stuff. Well, like, how about, it will be happening. How about that other article that said Margot Robbie is going to be in the new Pirates? There's a new Pirates? There will be a new Pirates. It's supposed to be based on the character of Red, the female lady pirate. What? Yeah, from the ride. Oh, I don't know that ride that well. Let me set the scene. I know I've done the ride. 
I've been there. There's a lot of yohos and rum bottles. Mm. Really bad eggs. Yeah, why would you want the eggs that are so bad though? Like get good eggs. But the pirates like, you get are the bad a dozen, eggs. right? You, sure. you you get a dozen eggs. Guy doesn't. Why why are you focusing on the bad ones? Because they're the pirates, they're the ones who go around to the other parts of the supermarket and just take, take, take. They laid waste to Pickle Island? Eggs? Fuck. I'm confused. This metaphor doesn't have, like, it's not very good. It doesn't have its sea legs? Yep. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm drowning here. <laughs> well, as long as you have taken some cursed Aztec gold, you'll be able to breathe underwater. Well, no, I'll be able to not die underwater. We don't know that they were that's able to true. breathe. No, you'll, you'll be able to be dead underwater. Because <laughs> technically that's what it is. Because uh, technically, technically are... they're undead, not dead. But even when, like, even when Jack Sparrow had the had the gold or whatever, he was like, wasn't he, in, isn't that interesting? Or that's interesting, or whatever that's he says when he's looking through the moonlight. Yep. Yeah, he's like a zombie. Fuck, this is not a podcast about those movies. Clearly um, you've never been to Tortuga. Okay. I the uh get us back on track, I dare you. The entire the entire concept of Dumbledore and Grindelwald, whether or not they will have a fight or won't have a fight, and that the the unknowingness of the legitimacy of that legend actually does excite me about the potential for Fantastic Beast 3. Because I can imagine this whole, like, I would be so happy if they have this huge build-up to this movie, this huge build-up to this crescendo of this big fight that's going to happen, and then they're, like, standing on, like, some Scottish Highland Mountains, like, ready to fucking, like, duel, and then Grindelwald's like, nah, I'm out. Like, <laughs> just, nope, we're not fighting, just take me, I'm, I'm good. I'm good, I'll go to prison, and then that's it. That would make a lot That'd of sense, like, and that would get around their their weird vow thing. And if no one saw it, the legend could grow. That would that make that would be very interesting. Yeah, it would be great. It would be great. I would be super into that. I would be super into like Grindelwald being like it was the most it, like him spinning the lie about the about how great the fight was about like it was I did this and Albus did this and it was like this and there was so many explosions. I turned and, into like, a dragon and he turned into a germ. Like War of the Worlds, like no, like 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 Sword in the Stone. Like he was just like he saw Sword in oh. the Stone and just recounted that was that fight, right. right? And then no one would have known because they're they're wizards and they don't watch Muggle Entertainment. And then I was like, he was like coming at me, and I was like, "You shall not pass." And he was <laughs> exactly, all like, "Exactly." He was like, "I I was he like smashed his his uh you know his wand on the ground and it, it I, I fell into a crevasse." And then, but like, not before I was like, but sorry. Now who's immature? I am. It's me. It's me. Um, um, and then like, and then like, like I, but then I was like, uh, reducto. And then like the thing blew up around him and he fell in the crevasse too. And we were falling together and we were like fighting in midair as we were falling. And then we like, we like hit the water and it's like this huge explosion like like totally a 10 out of 10 like belly flop and then like i like swim to the surface and then there's this pirate ship and we like are fighting we're like casting like spells at each other up to the pirate ship and then there's this like like pirate sitting on like his his uh his captain's chair and he's got this like map in front of him and it's like oh i'm curly I, this is all curly's gold if you want some of my gold you can have curly's gold and then and then like we we like don't look into it it just happened trust me and then like 
and then I and then I took the gold, and then the like pirate ship like split apart, and this huge boulder started rolling towards me, and so then we like ran out of the like out of the 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 like the the underground tunnel like pirate cove with the ball the 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 boulder we ran out of that place um and then we were like running 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 and then like uh albus was in front of me and then he like he made a turn and then i ran past him and then i like turned and he was like standing there in front of me and i turned him around and he had a bunch of arrows sticking through his mouth and he was like <laughs> what's the line i don't remember the line adios lapito yeah, and I said adios Lupino to him, and then I kept going. But turns out it was like he just grabbed me after he was like, "Ah, J.K., I don't have these in my mouth. Let's go." And then like he was like, um, "There's only one way to defeat this boulder. It's got a small six meter <laughs> exhaust port in in the side of it, and we have to shoot an Expelliarmus into the exhaust port, and it's a, it'll cause a a chain reaction that'll explode the boulder." And so then we like. We like crazy as it sounds, we ran towards the boulder that was coming down us through his trench, and like when we saw that that hole, we shot our expelliarmuses at it together, and like it made it explode, and uh, it was it was so cool, guys. And meanwhile, the guys like the 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 guards that are listening to him are like just taking notes, and those guards were Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. That <laughs> makes sense. Anyway, okay, that brings I, us to I chapter. I enjoyed the fuck out of that. Before you bring this, I just okay, want you to know, I enjoyed the fuck out of that. It was fan- that was that that took my nascent idea and did everything I wanted to with it. Thank you, and <laughs> filled up time since I don't have a lot more notes. <laughs> anyway, that brings us to chapter thir- chapter thirteen. That brings us to chapter three. The Dursleys departing. Do you have any page notes in here? One. Oh, what number? Forty-two. All right, mine's thirty-seven. Okay. Um, I really like this interaction uh, on 37 between uh, Daedalus and Vernon, where mm. uh, Vernon's dismayed by Daedalus's inability to drive a car. Because it made me think about, like, how I've had experiences where, like, all right, let me, let me start over. The, the idea of uh, being a person who lives in a world that's based, that's entirely dependent on technology. Like, my profession my career my livelihood is all dependent on my capacity to operate computers and programs that i can utilize to make a product that i can get paid for okay so if but if i didn't have that i've got nothing i would not i would die on the vine i have no idea how to survive in the real world outside of these skill sets i have that only work in the modern age that makes me in this metaphor kind of like a wizard where the wizards in the Harry Potter universe, they don't have to, because magic makes life so easy for them. They don't have to learn how to do basic things like wash their own dishes or peel their own potatoes or drive a car. So I've had experiences with real people in my life who've basically tried to speak to me kind of like Vernon's doing in this scenario about like, how could you not know how to do X? How could you not do this? It's so essential to like, you know, your life. Like, how could you not know how to survive off the land? Sure. Or like, or like, how could you not know how to tie three different knots? Or right. how could you not know how to grow, you know, vegetables in your garden or, or, or any of things like that. And that felt like where, whereas a car is also a machine and also a, a mechanical like construct. 
it felt like it was a very similar. Oh, it's a direct parallel, absolutely. To, to 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 those ideas, and I really liked that. I, I liked that uh, that idea, and, and this this representation of that idea of like a sort of condemnation of the wizard's way of life, and the idea that they are like if they didn't have their magic, if somehow they lost it, how would they handle life? It's, it's like it reminds me of like Wally. When you see the the way humans have evolved with the aid of technology to make their lives either easier, they just grow into these boneless sacks of flesh sure. that can't really do anything for themselves. And then that also kind of calls back to your idea about why wizards still need slaves. Mm-hmm. Is it is because there's I guess there's certain things, and that makes it even worse. Like that makes the wizarding society so awful. Uh, this idea that like even if you don't have to do a lot of different physical things because you have magic there's still some things you don't have enough magic for so you gotta have slaves to take care of that stuff because god forbid you do it yourself anyway it just like it was a real like interesting moment and like a really well-written aspect of like how to demonstrate the fallacy and the and the uh flaws of the wizarding world in like one really concise mm-hmm. moment sure. so seven books she got one right you got one moment really well, like really well done. Um, but, but it also like, it talks about like how this metaphor talks about like how, like even myself, like I am, I would be hampered. I would be, you know, uh, useless if I didn't have, if we didn't live in this kind of technological world. And sure. I don't know how these, like, I don't know how to make electricity. I don't know how to like build a computer. I don't know how to smelt. I don't know how to solder. I don't know any of these things that go into making the things that, I use I'm completely disconnected from the reality that makes the magic I use magic Mm -hmm. that is so much like what it sounds like they're talking about in this in this in this moment Mm -hmm. Um, I think the difference is I can like acknowledge that that's like a weakness that that's a that's a place where I I'm like vulnerable Mm -hmm. these wizards don't seem to do that ever at no point do they go like man we would be useless without magic because we don't even know how to like feed ourselves we don't even know how to use toilets, apparently. <laughs> That's a really good point. And it, it reminded me of, like, basically, like, the people who, like, tweet about how the Earth is flat from their, like, mobile phones without remembering, like, how, like... Satellites? Cell phones... Yeah, cell phones can't work without satellites. Yeah. And, like, a global positioning system. Yeah. Like, you know, like... Like, it sort of, like, envelops the globe in some sort of, like, globe-spanning web like like, well like like a web that is wide and across the world but more like a more like a glow is there a phrase for that (laughs) something like that just like it's just it just it made me feel bad that that part (laughs) made me feel bad when i thought about like flat earthers it made me feel bad but um but anyway yeah like it's very insightful moment of her world building finally peeks through in a place that i felt like it was deserved and interesting uh my next note's page 40 go for it I don't know how to feel in this moment. Okay. On page 40. Because... Do we want to read it? Do you want to read it? I like reading. Go ahead and read it. Where do I begin? I think you know where to begin. Er, no, they don't, said Harry. They think I'm a waste of space, actually, but I'm used to... I don't think you're a waste of space. If Harry had not seen Dudley's lips move, he might not have believed it. As it was... He stared at Dudley for several seconds before accepting that it must have been his cousin who had spoken. For one thing, Dudley had turned red. Harry was embarrassed and astonished himself. Well, uh, thanks, Dudley. Again, Dudley appeared to grapple with thoughts too unwieldy for expression before mumbling, You saved my life. 
Not really, said Harry. It was your soul the Dementor would have taken. He looked curiously at his cousin. They had had virtually no contact during the summer or last, as Harry had come back to Privet Drive so briefly and kept to his room so much. It now dawned on Harry, however, that the cold cup of tea on which he had trodden that morning might not have been a booby trap at all. Although rather touched, he was nevertheless quite relieved that Dudley appeared to have exhausted his ability to express his feelings. After opening his mouth once or twice more, Dudley subsided into scarlet-faced silence. In one sense, it's like I feel kind of vindicated. Like, I feel like at the end of the books, J.K. allows Harry to have this brief moment of recognizing that he's a piece of shit and he's been really ungrateful and dismissive of the Dursleys mm-hmm. to, to the point where it's reflexive to where like his reflex, his reflexive response to tripping over that tea was that it was a trap. Like he's prejudiced. He believes the worst in these people mm-hmm. like the audience does, like the audience is supposed to for a brief moment. A moment that may even just be a mistake. Like she may, she may have like not really wanted. She may have not understood what she was doing in writing this. At least for me, gives him the opportunity to learn from that mistake and at least have some brief moment of self reflection to be like, oh man, maybe it wasn't a booby trap. Maybe this was Dudley trying to express his his appreciation for me being back and his gratitude and caring. But then he just blows past it. Like, nah, fuck that. I'm too I'm too stupid to continue thinking that empathetically. I mean, maybe he's not able to think that empathetically. <laughs> maybe, okay. Maybe he's got Fair enough. maybe he's got like restra- uh, the equivalent of a restraining bolt. Maybe in his soul. May- maybe, but if that's the case, couldn't the argument be made again that if that's the case, which I'm open to. Yeah. Couldn't that just again be the argument for like if couldn't there be a lesson there of if you're interacting with someone who you believe who you who you believe is your enemy who only who believe only has your worst interest at heart is it possible that that person may not have the capacity to be better than they are and that the best thing to do in that situation is to work through helping them learn how to be better with forgiveness and forgiveness and patience. Yeah, that'd be the best thing. Sure. It sounds like all these people who love these books, but want to string up JK Rowling (laughs) miss that lesson. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I I, I don't even know if I, if I think that that's entirely true. It just feels like it's interesting. It's, it's, it's fine. I mean, if I fucking finish this book and think it's really good, I don't know how I'm going to (laughs) feel. There's like, these parts in it that are like so far like it's boring mm-hmm. this has been a boring couple of chapters sure. but like i mean literally we stopped before the the chapter with the action yeah which is fine sure at least we'll start with action next time but um you, you, but it i don't know i'm not i'm not saying that like i'm not saying this exonerates her behavior but sure. i am saying that like i think that's a good lesson mm-hmm. i think that's a good lesson to take away from the idea is like you know that's how you confront your own prejudices is you have to first accept that you have them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes what people need to confront that is for the person they have a prejudice against to show them an act of kindness. Mm -hmm. So what if we all just were more kind to each other across the board, even people who are victims, even people who are wounded, there's, there's progress to be made through compassion, through forgiveness. Mm -hmm. 
um, not allowance. Right. Like there's there's a distinction. But like like with JK, her specific situation, saying something like, Out and out, you're wrong. <laughs> you're just wrong. And we'll be here waiting for you to come back from being as wrong as you are. I mean, I don't know if that sounds good. It sounds like a, <laughs> that it, sounds, it sounds like a much nicer approach that I don't think anyone's tried. I mean, I don't know if anybody's not tried it. No, I nobody's tried it. it but like, I've read like <laughs> at least three tweets, and that's representative of the whole. I can say unequivocally, right, as right. an authority, right, that what you said was right. And no one else in the history of humanity has tried it with her. What did I just say? I'm agreeing with you. Good. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm a leader of men. It's true. <laughs> Is that is that from the Bible or something? No, hmm. I don't know what it's from. I was gonna, I was trying to figure out a way to like tie it into the like, the Tolkien like I am no man <sighs> kind of thing because that's that's itself kind of like a triumphant pseudo trans kind of like yeah. metaphor yeah. kind of thing. I mean, if you interpret it like that, it's kind of beautiful. Like it, absolutely, the person who presents and goes through life being in, uh, treated as as uh, as a man who who you know, but inside knows how they really feel mm-hmm. and who they really are. And then there's this opportunity arises for them to be heroic and triumphant as, as themselves as their true identity and them exposing themselves for their true identity is actually the only way to smite evil. Mm-hmm. Pff, fucking beautiful. It is fucking beautiful. And I don't want to diminish that. Can I ask a pedantic question? Well, I don't think I could stop you. Good. Do you think if Eowyn, right? I think that's... Uh, I don't remember who this character is. I don't remember her name. I think it was Eowyn. Um, do you think if she hadn't revealed herself, the Nazgul would still be alive? I mean, I don't know. It's an interesting question. I mean, I don't see any behavior... Did she stab him in... and then say, I am no man, or did she whip it off, I am no man, and stab him? Whip off, stab. Okay. I think. Because <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure the stab goes into his face hole, and then he goes like... And right. then it like crumples. So if in she hadn't itself. said anything and just stabbed him, and he thought she was a guy, would that have not affected him? I don't think she stabbed him first. Oh, oh, oh! I think he. I think it. I think it might have if she had stayed. I don't know. I mean, it's magic. It's all. Nonsense. I know it's magic. It, it's, it's, it's the functionality of the moment isn't dependent on whether or not she stabs him after. Like it's not like it's not her declaration. No, no, it's not her. It's not her femininity that's important. I think it is the declaration gotcha. that's important. Mytho- mythologically, the declaration's important. She has to cross that line. Gotcha. She has to. Actually, that's where the power. I think I actually comes I like from. that better. Yeah, the power comes from her, like her having character growth. That's where all human power comes from. Is from growth. It's the one thing we know we can do if we put our minds to it. Is we can make ourselves change through like self actualization, goal setting, and achievements. And, and, you know, tenacity. We can do a lot of amazing things. We're going to confront adversity in those paths, but it's only in, like, taking control of all of our own skills and what makes us unique and special that we can triumph over adversity. Um, look at the wizards. They don't they don't triumph over adversity at all. They have everything's easy for them, for the most part. Right, no, I know what Until you're saying. They, they have very yeah. little reason for growth. Right. Or cause. It's mm-hmm. all like this internal like it's like kids fighting over who's who owns the basketball, right. you know, in, in the in the street. It, that's what it feels like. Even this Voldemort shit. It's like once you get to the point where your opulence exceeds morality, once you get to the point where you have no more concerns but what but who you're allowed to hate, that's when humans start to fucking fall apart. 
as societies. And that's where, like, Voldemort's at. That's where anti-trans people are at. <laughs> is is they've they've gotten they've gotten so far disconnected from how to actually make people's lives easier or better that they've invented problems like interspecies breeding and whether or not somebody is a woman or not. Right. Like, or, or not even whether or not it's, it's like being a gatekeeper and denying it is more important than is so important that you have to make it a thing. Right. <laughs> you have to like, you're, you're spending you have to your make, energy on this. Right. Anyway. Yeah. That, uh, I think that that's like where this moment with Dudley happens too. Is it like, and Harry, like Harry has to watch Dudley defy his expectations before he can appreciate Dudley doing what he's doing. I, I, I genuinely think that's a flaw in Harry mm-hmm. only because I saw it from book one. Sure. I mean, that's, that's just how I feel is like when I, when I was reading those the early books, it was so clear to me that this kid was a piece of shit that Harry was an, was a fucking asshole and he was being a real dick to these kids. What? My only point is he's, he's, he's had the capacity to be a real dick since he was one years old. Just saying. So it would have been there in book one too. Who, who are we talking about? Harry? Harry, Yeah. Because of the whole, you know, the magic. I know, but I'm saying, what I'm saying is like, if you use the metaphor of what Voldemort living inside Harry is like as a metaphor for trauma, if you use that metaphor to look at it as a real world thing, mm-hmm. you can't, it's not okay to say, oh, that kid's allowed to punch other kids in the playground because his parent, his dad's an alcoholic. Okay. Okay. I see. It's I not, see now. It, you, you can't say that because that's, because you, you could say victims. that's the reason you, yeah, you can but say it's not oh, excused. Think, yes. Got it's it. not excused. Got it. I'm sorry. So like. Harry being a dick since he was one, yes, we think it's mostly because he's got a part, a seventh of Voldemort's, or eighth or whatever, whatever it, is, it is, yeah, living inside him, or or not dying inside him, however you want to word <laughs> it. That's that's fine. We know that, or we will know that. But like, his actions are still like the actions of an asshole, mm-hmm. and like the actions of a of a a not empathetic person. I'm not saying that. He hasn't gone through trauma. Sure. I'm saying his trauma is begetting trauma. And that's not okay. Okay. And I think that his lack of capacity to see that is incredibly problematic and he's responsible for it. Um, there you go. <laughs> that's what Death Readers has been about. Is is basically trying to come up with that explanation for why, like, again. I don't know if the, that's supposed to be here. Sure. Like I, I'm reading into that because I can see that in the story. She's given us one moment of Harry recognizing that the Dursleys might not be terrible people. One. And, and very telling where it's placed. Exactly. Yeah. Cause, cause she's gotten what she's needed out of them. It's been a great ride to shit all over this family for six books. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you're going to have a, a tummy ache when you eat too much candy. So here's the tummy ache. Here's the regret. Here's the like the moment where you're supposed to look back and say, eh, maybe I also misjudge these people too quickly because I'm a sizist and I like um, hate. You know, I, I I'm quick to judge the the spoiled children or like whatever. 
or jealousy, like because all that shit just it comes from jealousy too from Harry. Like anyway, no, it's it, a it's a really good point, and it's now making me think that if this was her point all along, then like a bad magician setting it up through the last six books, she's she's at least per you. Like, everyone else is like, wow, where did the ball go? And you're like, I can see it through her fucking fingers. Yeah, I can see it the whole time. I know where it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> watched, I watched Time Bandits a couple days ago, right? Right. There's a sequence in Time Bandits where uh, the lead kid meets uh, Agamemnon. He meets Sean Connery. Craig Warnock Sean meets Con- Sean Connery. Right. I, I and and, and Sean, Sean Connery does magic tricks, tricks for him. Right. And it's a it's a it's a simple like, uh, you know, the French drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Well, it's but it's also with the cups where the right, cup, right, right. um, where the cup like he he has the cup cross over the side of the table where the ball falls off the side of the table, right. and you know like, and then there's no balls in the cups. It's like that. I could see where it dropped. <laughs> I saw the drop. Like, I know where it is. Right. Like, it's a great trick. Sean Connery does a great job in that movie, but like. You, if you know it, you know it. And I didn't, I don't know. I could, I felt like I could see it coming. And that's the part that like, like, okay, for another example of like shitting on magic tricks, there's that, <laughs> there's that David Blaine, uh, there's this viral David Blaine video of how Dave, of David Blaine in Harrison Ford's house. Mm-hmm. And he does this magic trick where he like takes, he like, he like does a card trick with Harrison Ford and then like asks like, and then he like burns the deck or rips it in half or something. And then he's like, hey, Harrison. I'm a little hungry. Can I have one of your oranges? And Harrison Ford's like, okay. And he's like, I'm just, I haven't eaten all day. I want to eat an orange from your like fruit bowl. And Harrison Ford's like, go for it. And he's like, okay. And then he grabs this, this orange is like, you know, Mandarin or something. And he, he peels it and he rips up and he goes, or he, he gives it to Harrison. He's like, Hey, can you peel this or something? I'm butchering this, telling you the story. <laughs> I like he rips your it open. better. He rips it open. And then the cards like folded inside and in the, in the orange, and Harrison Ford looks at it and he's like flabbergasted and, and like just like he's like he goes white and he's like, what? 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 get the fuck out of my house. And he says this great line. And he's going to get the fuck out of his house. It's like, get off my house magic- plane. <laughs> there's two. There's two magic tricks that went into that. One was the plant. Right. Where you they clearly planted that orange with the stuffed in card. The second part of the, the, the trick is the the loaded card mm-hmm. is knowing where in the deck you like you thumbed that card or something right, force. and found a way you, you forced the card yes yep. that's the word you force the card so that you know he's going to get that card so it appears in the thing it's it's for someone who knows street magic and 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 like close up magic like David Blaine does and who has the capacity to have a camera crew who can set up a, a you know the premise of it's safe inside Harrison Ford's house. We would never bring a plant in. Of course. Why would we do that? This is his house. Mm-hmm. If you buy into that, it seems like magic. If you buy into these people are mean to Harry because they hate him without stretching your brain a little bit to think about, okay, but why Why would people behave this way? Then, of course, you're going to just buy that, like into the silly, simplistic idiotic narrative that these people are are child abusers mm-hmm. when in fact and i'll point back to those early episodes and 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 every every first episode of the book of any of these series maybe sometimes the second 
<laughs> Dudley is so much more abused in that house than Harry, in my opinion, especially after they shake down the Dursleys. And then Harry starts using, like, threats to get his way, like a like a crazy, like, like a loan shark or some right. shit. Like, Dudley has the pigtail thing that had to get surgically removed. Dudley uh, has the t- one, the ton tongue toffee. Sure. Almost dies. Cowers in fears multiple times. And we laugh. We, the audience, in our superiority position of being, like, in the real world, laugh at this poor abused child. I'm so glad that he got his moment of being a better person than Harry Potter. I'm so happy for that. I just wish it was more del- it was more clearly deliberate. Sure. Like, if, if the payoff was, fuck you, audience, for hating these people so long, you're... You have no capacity to not join the mob, you idiots. Like if that if that had been like the 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 story and the angle, I would have been so happy. I would have been like, these books are incredible. <laughs> these books I I can forgive the house elf stuff because I'm now now I'm convinced that must pay off. <laughs> so it must be like some some real like deep like workings to get this amazing payoff. But I don't think this is that I think this is just, I think she came up with this idea after the last book, after Harry saved Dudley's life. Cause she puts that little bit in there mm-hmm. of, it makes it seem like the only reason Dudley has a change of heart is because he recognizes that Harry saved his life. And that's what he cares about. Cause he's all about self-preservation. So I see a possibility here for a completely different angle, but it's not actually what she wrote. And what she actually wrote is still kind of shit. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, also, like, there's this line at the end where, where Harry says to him, hey, Dudley, did you grow a new personality since last year or something like that? And Dudley's just like, I don't know, <laughs> like, or whatever he says, because he's also an idiot, right. apparently, um, like more so than Harry. Well, but then but again, like, I, even everything you've just described, were I Dudley and I'm trying to reach out because I know I'm not going to see this guy again. And I'm trying to connect. And he goes, would you grow another personality? I'd be like, yeah, I don't know. Clearly all my sure. effort is uh, fucking wasted. So I'll just go. Right, right. Like clearly, oh, I guess Harry's still still a bit of an asshole. Yeah. Still a dick. All right. Well, you know, Harry, I hope you don't die. I hope I see you soon. Because I. Well, we'll have an interesting it- coda about that after the book that's never been officially <laughs> written. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't count. Cool. That's the end of my notes. My last note, page 42. Exeunt the Dudleys. Oh, yeah. No, Exeunt the Dursleys. I didn't fuck that up at (laughs) all. The Dudleys. Uh, That's it. Oh. Dursleys are done. Dursleys are done, man. Well, cool. I mean, good for them. I hope, I I feel bad for them. They had a a hard role to fill. What do you think the wizard protection program's like? I don't know. It sounds shitty. It sounds like you don't get to have a job. <laughs> like, I don't know what, like the way they make it sound is like their entire lives are ruined. But I mean, is now. it, is it, is it like that episode of the Simpsons where they go live in a houseboat? They have hot and cold running whatever they want because it's magic. No, I think that they have, ah, sideshow Voldemort. <laughs> I think that they have a, a, an unfortunate situation where they are, held captive until like their, their lives are ruined. Their lives are completely ruined in every way. And everyone hates them for it. They, 
Vernon says, I don't get to have a job anymore. I can't live in this house until, like, this is all over. Mm-hmm. Um, he has no idea if he'll ever be able to come back to that house. Right. Aunt Petunia is just, it, she's basically just, in, like, screaming and in tears this whole episode or chapter because she's just lost it. Right. Because her whole life is being turned upside down. Her First, her sister gets murdered. Then she gets to, has to, like, live with this kid. And, and I will admit, there's that, there's that chapter earlier in the earlier books where, you know, they, we have this other revelation about how she's... She knew what she was doing, and that's why, like, Harry stayed there so long mm-hmm. is because she's protecting him. Right. We get that, but, like, it's, again, she's kind of, like, she's kind of of two minds about it when she writes it. Because, like, it's only when it serves her and her story mm-hmm. does it does it, does it it go one way or the other. There's not... A... You know, it's, it's, it's making me think of um, Neil Gaiman's... Uh... It's somewhere in Sandman or Lucifer or Constantine, but there's the concept of the angels, some set of angels doing something that God has told them to do. And if they follow those orders, they will never be able to be let back into heaven. But they're Hmm. also not supposed to be bitter about it. Hmm. And it's kind of reminding me, and maybe it's just a British thing of... Hmm. Do it even though it's tantamount to a punishment and don't complain. Because she's essentially being punished for uh, taking this kid in. She doesn't get a choice. Um, damn it. You, no, you I, sound like you're just... I, I, the, my problem is I have another... There's another half to this argument that I can't mention yet. Okay. Well, what you sound like you're describing when it comes down to like a British thing is you sound like you're describing the concept of duty. Like the idea that you have an obligation to do the right thing, even if it like causes you inconvenience or pain or hardship. Mm-hmm. So in another sense, again, the Dursleys are pretty heroic. <laughs> I, I mean, I know that people really want to lash on to how abusive they are mm-hmm. because it's easier to hate them for the like for that shit than it is to acknowledge like how tough it is to to do something like that like can you imagine imagine how how this is what i don't get like in our culture you'll have people who will celebrate people who adopt children or like foster parents yep. as long as they're not abusive and like doing it to like make like a foster kid farm where they just get money for you know i think that's a thing right where you can you get like a stipend or from the government or something or you get some sort of like payment for how many kids you have so if you get enough of them you can make a pretty nice living right um so as long as they're not doing that, we have this adoration for these people who adopt and these people who foster. But then you look at this story in this book, these people are doing exactly that thing, even more so than they understand keeping this kid alive by sheltering him. Everybody hates them for it. Or or people are so willing to hate them in spite of that because of all these other things. And I still look at it like Harry's sheltered, he's fed, he's not dead. He is living with people who don't like him. Mm-hmm. And, and wish he wasn't there. They wish that they didn't have to keep him around for his own good. And they're not good at, like, being quiet about it. That seems like one of the most minimal sins. It's a good point. Anyway. Yeah. I don't have any more notes. No, I have no more notes. I actually just penciled in a note far, far later in the book. So hopefully I can finish the other half of my binary point. Um, and not forget about it and leave it hanging. Because I'm not going to leave a plot thread unfinished like some people. Ugh. Hacks. Um, well, I got nothing else. You got anything else? I have nothing else. All right. Well, uh, I guess that was Death Readers.
I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. These reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion. Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers News. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers. And please discuss us extensively on Reddit. I used to bullseye Grindelows in my T-16 back home. They're not much bigger than two meters. There's a lot of entendres in that thing you just said. Noi abbiamo l'acqua.